Today's guest is Carlos de Chappelle. He is an active member of his church where he serves as a Eucharistic minister and lector. In addition, Carlos serves in the jail ministry and hospital ministry. He has extensive experience working in these two unique aspects of how we are called to serve as Christians. Carlos will share his story of serving in these two ministries and explains the contracts between them. Welcome to Catholic Mindset Podcast, where we will explore Catholic fundamentals. I am your host, Alejandro Cervalli. Join me as I explore the plethora of knowledge of our faith. Every part of our being is created in the image of God, including our minds. We must begin to imitate the mindset of Christ Jesus. What we learn here, I encourage you to contemplate, practice, and incorporate. We will look into the basics, prayers, traditions, histories, and practices used by our church to gain union with Christ. I pray that what you learn here enriches your heart and soul. Please subscribe to the podcast and sign up for our newsletter. Information in the show notes. Carlos, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing fine. The God blessed me. The good Lord blessed me this morning, and I'm still blessed, and my wife is helping him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, Carlos, we're here to talk about the jail ministry and the hospital ministry that you that you do and you're a part of. But before we do that, let's get to know you a little bit. Tell, tell us about yourself. My name is Carlos de Chapelle. I'm uh, Cuban. My family arrived in Cuba in May 1819, so I'm a good Cuban. My wife is Elena. She is... Um, of Greek extraction, second generation Cuban. Uh, I have two boys. Uh, each one has uh, three uh, kids. They're not kids anymore. They're boys and girls, uh, but uh, over 20 years old. My oldest son lives in Connecticut uh, and my youngest son lives in Arizona. They are both employed and uh, having very good jobs and have been very good young men. My wife uh, and I were both lectors and extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. On top of that, Elena used to work with um, Camilo's house. He used to cook and serve the poor. And uh, she also worked at an orphanage in North Miami, uh, which is another story by itself. Maybe someday she should talk about that. Let's do it. Being uh, at uh, St. Agnes, I was one day invited to do an Emmaus retreat. I was uh, just short of 70 years of age. I went and I, since we're talking about Emmaus, let me say for those who are going to hear us, that if you are ever invited, say yes. It's going to be the best thing you ever do in your life. I I know because it, it happened to me and it happened to everybody that goes to an Emmaus retreat. Anyway, at the Emmaus retreat, um, on the second day, some of the uh, one of the persons that are leading the retreat tents uh, gives a talk about service. I'm going to just say a little bit about the retreat because it's it's a wonderful uh, two days where you're almost being selfish. You're uh, taking two days for yourself. No wife, no kids, no friends, no bar, no uh, beach, no anything. Just for yourself and the good Lord. Mind you, praying is not the main uh, bulk of the retreat. It's something else. It's full of surprises and wonderful. Uh, somebody gave us a talk about service. I just had retired. 
And I chose to become a catechist at St. Agnes Church. And I uh, taught the kids, I, I can't remember, four or five years. And um, <clears throat> one day I decided I want to go one step further. Instead of teaching kids, I decided to try to teach at a jail where maybe they would kill me instead of I killing a child. <laughs> it's tough. It, it, he's saying that because it's, it's challenging. I'm, I'm also a catechist for, I've been, this is my third year. And depending on the age, it can be, it can be challenging. So may God bless all the teachers that are listening to this because we definitely identify. Anyways, continue. Well, well, Alex, let me just add something. I went from second grade to fourth grade and then, and it got to a point that because I'm, maybe I uh, didn't have the charisma, uh, I thought I, did, I was not being a good teacher. So that's why I changed and I said, let me go a step further and go, and go to the jail. The training, it took me one year. This is under the uh, Archdiocese of Miami, not St. Agnes. I was sponsored by Father Hernando, Monsignor Hernando, and um, it took me a year of training. It was just somebody, three times I had to go to uh, Martin Luther King Center to be trained in case of uh, you know, there was a fire or there was a fight or there was somebody had uh, would, would take me as a host. Uh, um, it, it was very interesting, but it took me one whole year. All I have to show for that is a little coin that says number 20 and the name de Chapelle. With that coin, I still cannot go and get going to the train, get into the, the, um, the, the, the jail. But that's the history of how I got into the jail ministry. Uh, it's called the detention ministry. The other ministry, which is the hospital ministry, two ministries are so different and so contrasting that when I tell friends who ask me, is it very difficult? Is it, is it nice? Is it, you know, whatever is it, you will not believe what I'm going to say. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I tell my friends when they ask me. Yeah. I get out of Key Biscayne and drive to Mercy Hospital, which is exactly 20, uh, 20 minutes away. And that with plenty of time. I come out and I drive on the bridge and I look at the water and I look at the boats and I look at the gulls and everything is fine, pleasant. And I drive onto um, uh, Bay, uh, South Bay Drive. I get to the hospital. I go and I park in a very nice uh, building for uh, volunteers and employees. I walk half a block. I go to my to the volunteer's office. Next to the volunteer's office is the... Uh, the chapel, I say hello, and within 30 minutes, I am at the first room after having picked the Holy Communions and with my pick, and, and within 30 minutes, I am at the, uh, at the first room that I'm going to visit. There's a list waiting for the volunteers that do, uh, do this work. On the other hand, to go to the, the jail, which is located in downtown Miami, 4th Street between 1st and 2nd Avenues, I... Getting to, I, I took the Pleasant Drive coming out of Kibbe's Cane, and then I get into I-95 and there troubles begin. Usually it's backed up. And now it's a guy that is, you know, honking me and, 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 and cutting in front of you. And I finally get to downtown Miami. I take the exit to go to Biscayne Boulevard and turn and then the people are going to take I-95 from where I just left are cutting across me and I'm trying to go right and anyway. Uh, a few more blocks and I get to 4th Street, oh, no, I'm sorry, to 2nd Street and I turn there and I get into 
my parking lot and I walk to jail. Everything is unpleasant. Now I get to the jail and it's even more unpleasant. I see ladies with kids outside waiting to visit their husbands or boyfriends or whatever. I see guys uh, with kids because their wife is inside in the jail. And uh, then I have to wait there and I see lawyers coming in and out. And finally, the priest that has to uh, get me in because I cannot go in by himself. He's a, he's a chaplain and uh, he is the one who's going to take me in, like vouching for me. We go through all the electronics. We get to a little office, a, a window where they I identify myself with that famous coin that I was talking about. Uh, with that, they gave me a badge. And uh, then I come across and through the first door, the first bang door. I go around and they give me a radio. Then for, with the radio, I go into a hall where the elevators are. The priest is leading me and he asks me, what floor are you going? There are 50 floors in the jail. It's a U-shaped jail. And there's an East Hall and a West Hall. So you take that elevator and you go to the, uh, there's 125 inmates in each, in, in each hall. I come out of the elevator or the, the you know, as a volunteer comes out of the elevator, you get into another hall, another bang door. When I say, when I say bang it because they're heavy doors with the big locks and, and I finally get to the door where it's going to lead me into the, into the actual, actual uh, hall uh, where the cells are. There, a guard uh, waits for me, I have to give him the radio. So everything up to now has been unpleasant. It's the opposite of the drive to the hospital. I'm at the hospital, ready to go to the rooms in 30 minutes. This, <clears throat> I have to leave my house at 5.15 to get there at six, before six o'clock. So it's taken me uh, about almost an hour, all unpleasant, except for the drive out of Kibbe's game. I-95, the traffic, getting there, looking at very sad things because there are women with ki kids waiting to see their father or their mother. Uh, I get to, you know, everything unpleasant about going through the doors and all the identification. And so I finally get into the jail. Okay, let's stop there because that's the first contrast we want to talk about. The pleasantness of going to, driving to the hospital and the unpleasantness of getting into the jail and being inside the jail, inside the hall where I'm going to go. So how does a day look like in these two places and how do they contrast? Okay, so we talk about the contrast in getting there. Now yeah. we're going to talk about the hospital. And okay. the, um, there is a, uh, a volunteer's office and it's next to the chapel. So there's a list of rooms Sometimes it's uh, quite long. It's some, it could be 15, 20, 22 um, rooms that you visit. You go and there's, you, you go through a training to go to the room. You first, you get there, you say hello, say a prayer, ask the, the, uh, the sick person. And, um, and then you ask them if they want to receive Holy Communion. I've always tried to do a little... Uh, apostolic work, let's call it that way. What you start realizing is that you're inside a hospital. There's nothing nice about the hospital. You're sick. The person that is at the hospital you're visiting is a sick person. And it goes beyond it because sometimes that person that is at the hospital beside being sick doesn't have a place to go. 
I remember for many, many months that I visited a lady in the third floor, which was there because the hospital was keeping her in, in, in there. There's a bed and there's a, and there's food. She didn't have relatives. She didn't have uh, a home. She had nothing. And I would get there and ask, ask her, how are you doing? And, you know, it was a, a very sad situation. And it, it makes you, you know, thank the good Lord, what you have, what we have, a home and we have uh, food and, and a roof. And this lady didn't have anything. That visit stays with you. It doesn't go away. Then you go to another floor and you visit. There's a, maybe another uh, old lady who is crying because the daughter didn't come to see him or the, the, his, her children haven't visited her in quite some time. And uh, they're crying because they, they feel bad. And, 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 and so you try to say nice things and uh, you say a prayer and they uh, sort of stop crying when you say the prayer. Um, you might go to another room and somebody you've seen how deteriorate over the last four weeks. Uh, or you go to another room and you enter in silence because the, the person in there is dying. Or you go to another room and you see a wife and husband. The wife has been with this man at the hospital for the last three months. And you ask, and sometimes the man is better, sometimes he's doing And sometimes you go to a room and they finally tell, they tell you, oh, we're going home tomorrow. And that's a happy thing. We're going home tomorrow. But you don't know if they're going home to die or they're going home because they're, they've been cured. All of that stays with you. You, you leave the hospital and you're thinking, I should have said this. I should have done this. I should have. And let me tell you one thing. You know, I suppose our other volunteers do the same thing. But in my case, I would go to Mass in the morning, to the 8 o'clock Mass, and I would pray the Holy Spirit to be with me and to let my words be his words, the Holy Spirit's words. And Alex, let me tell you, sometimes I've come out of a room and I said to myself, where did that come from? What I just said, I knew they were not my words. It, 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 it incredible. It's difficult to, to pass this message on because, but it's happened to me so many times that I came out of a room and trying to console a, a, or to pray or to whatever. I come out and I said, where did that come from? It's not, they were not my words. I didn't think that, but they came out. And I knew that the Holy Spirit had spoken. It's, it, it, so the day of the hospital take two and a half, two, two and a half hours, three hours. All I can say is that it, it's, it's not pleasant. There is sadness at the hospital. There's no, uh, what do you say, uh, uh, nice or uh, happy things happening. Like I said before, sometimes you, the happy things are, we go, we're going home, but you don't know what they're going home for. Mm. The contrast to that is the jail. Now you've gone to jail and everything was stressful to get there, stressful to get in, pass all those heavy doors, come to the guy that looks at, at, at as you're, you're an intruder. Um, where's your phone? Where's your, where's your radio? And you give the radio and they check the radio, the number of the radio. And, and uh, but finally on instructions, and it's not on, on instructions, on rules, I have to walk through this, big uh, salon, I guess. I, mean, I, don't, I can't remember what the word would be in English. 
um, where the guys are over dinner. It's uh, at this point it's six fifteen, and they finish dinner, and uh, there it's there's a mixture. Uh, I won't get into that because it's not necessary. Uh, but I know where the where the Hispanics are. They're playing they're playing dominoes or playing cards. Um, other people are just talking or maybe playing even chess or some are trying to watch the small t- two TV sets that they have. One is one is broadcasting in English, the other one is broadcasting in Spanish. Uh, so I have to go around speaking a loud voice saying religious services. At the beginning, I used to say Catholic services. But then I changed to Christian services because I wanted my group to be inclusive. And there, you know, you start running into people, you know, from other from before, from, from other days that you've gone into the jail and they come and say hello to you. And, and it becomes, you know, there's a certain amount of, uh, I, I can say it's happiness. It's just uh, uh, camaraderie, I guess. Uh, and, and, and they, they demand things from you. I said, but why didn't you come last Monday? What happened? <laughs> you have to tell them because they, good. Are That's good. they are waiting for you. And you know, this is one of the things that you learn when you're during your training is that um, you have to be, well, other than being um, uh, very respectful, you have to be um, nice with them. Nice meaning, hi, how are you doing, Billy? Uh, And and some of them come and they give you, I'm supposed to be at arm's length, but sometimes they come and they give you a hug. (laughs) There was one guy that used to kiss me and the guard guard one time said, quit that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so so now i after going around all this uh there's 125 people in that uh, in that hall that big hall it's about 50 wide by uh, 100 and uh it, it, it's it has good things there's a mezzanine the bathrooms are in the mezzanine the cells are very small uh but there is a uh, there's a computer room there is a uh, sort of a library there are books for read. Uh, there are ping pong tables. There's a basketball court. There is a uh, weight to lift. So then I go to this little uh, living room or whatever you want to call it. It's about, I would say, 15 by 20, 25. There are chairs there. I go in. And by this time, it's 6.15. Uh, from 6 to 7, it's uh, uh, the, the Anglo-Saxons. From uh, seven to eight, the Hispanics. I usually would go, you know, six fifteen to seven fifteen, and then seven fifteen. I would go beyond the the eight o'clock because the I would have to go out to the back to the elevator for the priest to pick me up. But he never got there, you know, at eight o'clock. It would always be there at eight ten, eight fifteen. But anyway, I would uh, talk to them. You know, start always with a uh, with a prayer and all join. So now things have changed. Now. The hospital is the sadness and the um, the unpleasantness of doing something that it's you're doing the work of the Lord. You're bringing not only the word, but you're bringing the bread that came down from heaven. They expect it and they need it, and so, sometimes they even ask you to bring communion. Uh, I need holy communion, and but um, there's no happiness. Because it's like I said before, it's it's a hospital. It's you know you're sick, and the guys there they don't want to be there. Now at the jail, 
now things start changing. Now you're in this room, which is, like I said, 15 by 20, 25. And there's, a, I don't know, maybe sometimes there's very little people, there are four or five people, sometimes they're 15, 20. And, and they all join in a prayer to start with. And uh, uh, they all participate. I, I use the parables a lot uh, to, you know, the parable of the, of the uh, mustard seed or the parable of the, of the seed that falls in, into the ground. And, or, you know, many, I have a book about the parables, so I would use that a lot. And they would participate and ask you, and they would joke a little bit between themselves, and, and they would ask you questions. And so there was nothing unpleasant about being, being there at this point, because they're participating on something that for them is happiness. Sometimes I would come and say, I would say, okay, we're finished with the prayer. Let me tell you what happened yesterday in the basketball game. Because what, in my view, what you want to bring to the, to the inmate is happiness. Yeah, no, it's great. Giving the jail, giving the jail is it's the most unpleasant thing in the world. You're not free. So I, uh, I would say things from, or something in politics. Now, usually politics, no, but sports. And they would ask me questions. I remember a guy that had one of his, his nephew playing for the San Diego Padres, uh, first baseman, Yonder Alonso. And this guy would talk to me about what happened in the baseball game. And, 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 and uh, so all of a sudden, it was, it was pleasant. It was pleasant. And you come out of the jail. And first of all, it's at night. that <laughs> Your skirt's stiff because of the downtown Miami. It's not a very nice. Nice place to be, and not particularly for not an old man like myself. It's gotten better. It's gotten better. Uh, but I would, uh, I would, I would walk out, and I would be thinking about what the guy asked, me. and uh, let me prepare because they asked me to to give him a talk about this or that. Let me say another thing about the jail. It's a federal jail, and um, uh, it's it, it's it's for people that have been uh, condemned. You're guilty but have not been sentenced. So they're waiting to be sentenced or they have appealed the sentence. So the rotation, the turnover is uh, quite heavy, but they would say they are two, three months and that's how you get to know them. One day, one gentleman there asked me, what is this prayer that you guys have, this father thing that you have? And <laughs> he had been participating actively asking, but uh, following what I was saying, and I knew that he was interested. And um, he was a man about uh, in his mid thirties, early forties. No, probably mid thirties. And I, I, I haven't even forgotten his face. And this was happened, I don't know, two, three years ago. Um, so I asked myself, what is that? What is that prayer, that father prayer that you guys have? And I said, I, I, I'm sure I told him, I can't remember exactly what I told him, but I'm sure I told him, well, this is the Lord's prayer. It's not, it's not a prayer. It's the prayer, the Our Father, a prayer that the, Jesus taught the disciples. Why did he teach them that? And I said, well, it's something I have to go into with more details. It's almost nine o'clock so, or eight o'clock, so let's leave it for the next uh, talk, uh, for the, my next visit. And we left it there. I came home and I had been thinking, I had words that I had come to my mind, questions like, for instance, the word uh, our, uh, and I'm, I'm gonna keep that uh, in, in our pockets <laughs> for the time being. Um, and uh, I had also 
question, I had questions about what the meaning of uh, give us today or daily bread. So I came home and started making notes and uh, reading the Bible. I, I had made a lot of notes reading the Bible, which I just kept in a pad. Notes about things that I thought would be interesting to someday uh, tell the, the inmates. Before we go on, uh, Alex, I would like to ask a question to those that are going to be uh, watching this uh, podcast. And this question is very important because us, our, as Christians, we have to know why we are Christians, why we can believe. And the question, it's a three-part question, or let me say three questions. The first question is, if I address one of your listeners or the people that are going to be watching the podcast, I'd like to ask him directly, why are you a Christian? And I can tell you though, the, uh, there are three, three answers. But let me ask the second question. The second question is, why does Christianism exist? Christianism comes from the word Christ. Word Christ comes from a, uh, an old word, which means a uh, Hebrew word, which, which means Messiah. Why does Christianism exist? There is a very beautiful reading in Acts, Acts 5 about uh, this is after the death, after the, and uh, it's, it's uh, at the Sanhedrin, which is the body of law in Jerusalem at the time. I'm not going to get into that. Some other day we'll get into that one. But um, first question is, why are you a Christian? Second question, why does Christianism exist? Third question, why can you believe the words of our Lord Jesus Christ? Why can we believe? And every time I ask this, the, these questions, uh, I have never gotten the right answer. The answers are without failure. One, well, I, my, my father, my mother are Christian. What they call credo Catholics, they call credo Catholics. Exactly. exactly. That's a better way. I never heard that. Uh, they took me to learn uh, on Sunday school uh, the uh, you know, Catholic faith, or they, I went to a Catholic school. And I always say they're all valid answers. They're all true and valid, very valid. But there's a more fundamental, basic answer to why you are a Christian. Why can you believe the words in the Bible? In, in, I don't have a Bible here now, but I, I can show you a Bible. The answer to that is the man came back on the third day as he had promised. The man resurrected, came back on the third day, and had he not come back, you know, Christianism, he wouldn't have been the Messiah. He announced three times that he would come back on the third day. He told the Pharisees, and he told many people that heard him that he would come back, and he did come back. And that is what, this is what, this is the word that we have to tell when if somebody asks you, why are you a Christian or, or why do you believe? Particularly this, this last question, why do you believe? <clears throat> I believe because a man resurrected on the third day. As simple as that. There is a, um, a very famous writer at the, of the time called Flavius Josephus. Uh, he's a Hebrew writer. And he wrote about Christ, about Jesus as a prophet. He didn't write to him as the Messiah. He was Jewish and uh, Hebrew, and, uh, and, and he put him as a prophet. And indeed, he would have passed on in history 
as a prophet had he not resurrected. But he did resurrect. That's, that is the, this is the basis of our faith, which reflects at Mass, but we'll talk about that during the talk about the Our Father. Many of the Jews, they did not understand. One day, Jesus is, uh, comes into the temple area, and in the temple area, there are money changers and people selling animals for, uh, for uh, uh, the sacrifice. And so Jesus comes in, gets, in, uh, you know, gets upset that they, and tells the people, why are you doing this? You're in my father's uh, house. Why are you doing this? And starts letting the animals free. He overthrew the, the money changers tables and the the Jews uh, understandably got very upset and they told him, they asked him, why are you doing this? Who enti what entitles you to do this? Who do you think you are? And Jesus looked at them and said, destroy this temple and I will build it in three days, rebuild it in three days. So the Jews looked at him and said, listen, it took us 46 years to build this temple. You say you're going to build it, rebuild the whole thing in three days? they did not understand that Jesus was talking about the temple of his body. They just missed the boat. They did not understand. There were others that didn't want to understand or didn't believe. One of them was one of his 12 apostles, Thomas. The first day of the week after the crucifixion, the, uh, the apostle, the 12 apostles are together in a second in an upper bedroom, uh, upper uh, room, because they were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid that they would be killed as well. And they're inside the room and all of a sudden Jesus comes in. And hello, hello, my peace I give you. How are you doing? Do you have anything to eat? Yes, we have some fish here. So, so I can imagine if, if this happened to me and I would be in that room, I, I would be first panic, second, <laughs> second happiness, second, and, and third, how is this happening? You know, the, the, kind of a, a human reaction to. So the, the disciples told Thomas was not with them that day, that, that first morning of the week. And so they told him, I said, you know what happened? The Lord came in. He's alive. He came in. He even had food with us. And Thomas told him, I will not believe that that happened unless I put my fingers into his hand and my fist into his side, and, and, and I see that, the, that he is the Jesus that we, we know. Thomas with the, the apostles in the upper room, and in comes Jesus again, and looks at him and tells him, do you believe now? Put your finger into my hand and put your fist into my side and believe. And, and, and Thomas says to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus tells him, so you now believe because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and believe. This, this, this reading is the most important. We should read this every, every day or every week because this is the basis of our faith, the resurrection, and our belief despite the fact that we haven't seen. Alex, we are the chosen. The people that are, are going to hear this podcast, they are chosen. At, at one point, Jesus tells, tells the people, you didn't choose me, I chose you. We are the chosen. 
we are blessed. So I know we're running out of time and I wanted to ask you, how has your faith grown or improved after or during the, the hospital and jail ministry that you've been participating in? I am going to give you an answer, which I'm going to read, which is a beautiful answer. And after, after I finish, I'm going to tell you who they come from, these words. But the, the answer fits me perfectly because I'm at peace. I am at peace with, with what I'm doing. Uh, I always joke a little bit about living a long life because I need to give time to the good Lord to, to, to forgive me. So um, service has brought peace to me. So I'm going to read this. The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. And the fruit of service is peace. Not my words, Mother Teresa's words. Peace, that's the answer. Beautiful, beautiful. Carlos, this has been, this has been great for our first episode. Of, of their podcast to be able to get to know you and get an insight into the jail ministry and the hospital ministry. Hopefully others can can learn from, from you've taught us and, um, and start participating in churches. That is what I'm hoping for, that somebody, just one person that gets something from this, uh, from this podcast makes them get closer to the good Lord. Yeah, and the good thing about Carlos is that we're going to do a couple of more episodes because we're going to talk about the Our Father. We're going to continue that conversation Carlos had with that um, inmate that asked you, what is that prayer about? We're going to dive into it because you actually have been doing an amazing work. I actually went to talk to Carlos before we did the podcast and he, he's preparing to write a book on the breakdown of the Our Father. So I, I look forward to continuing these conversations and, and taking a dive into that project. God bless.